Welcome to the Cana Connection Podcast. Today is August 28, 2020. It's Friday. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. And I am excited to have on today's session Anya Eliason, Chief Financial Officer at Oakland Community Health Network. And we're going to be talking about managed mental health care. And today, again, through this ebb and flow, and, and Anya, thanks for, thanks for being with us. We're looking uh-huh. forward to, to talking through a variety of different questions across the the current COVID crisis that, that affects you guys, but but more importantly um, to your audience and network out there, some uh, information that, that perhaps they can take from this. Um, so you're located, Anya, just north of Detroit. Does that make you a Detroit Tigers fan? Of course. And Lions, even though they're the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go, but yeah. Good. good. <laughs> well, Good stuff. Um, we uh, let's get into some of these questions. And the first one is just a, very simply is how you got into the mental health uh, line of practice, and from that, how you got to be the chief financial officer. Okay, sure. Um, so I uh, actually, on a whim, ended up um, twenty years ago now, twenty plus years ago now, um, getting a job with. Uh, my organization at the time, I was I went in as a clerical staff, just on random. I knew somebody that worked there and um, had been kind of working my way, putzing through college and started there. And then um, throughout the next couple of years, finished my undergrad degree while working there um, in business administration. And during that time, I would say just really became involved in the mission of the organization. Um, I think for me, it's it's giving to a bigger purpose. And even though I'm finance, I do have a heart. And so um, I like to believe that what I'm doing is is giving back to other people. And it's part of a bigger, bigger value than, you know, profits for, you know, individuals. And so once I finished my undergrad degree, I got hired into a financial analysis position. And after that, worked on my master's degree in finance and took on the man- a management role in finance and eventually um, interviewed and hired was hired for the chief financial officer. So I have been in this role since 2014, hmm. um, but with my organization since 1999, I think. Oh, wow. Well, what a great background. I, you know, from, on that, on the finance side, but I, in, interesting as you um, as you as you work in that role of the finance side, give us a little perspective first on the background of the of your organization at Oakland Community Health Network. Okay. And I want to get into you know that how do you guys share and how do you guys as executives are, are managing the organization across the operational needs and demands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our organization provides we're we're essentially the managed care organization for. Um, the uh, population of adults and children with either serious emotional disturbances, uh, mental illness, developmental disabilities, and or substance use disorders. So we primarily are funded by Medicaid. We have um, other fund sources, including like local funds from the county and um, some general fund from the state and different grants and things like that. But um, primarily, I'd say about 95% Medicaid funded. And so we really have a lot of rules and regulations that go with that because Medicaid police don't like you to 
be frivolous with their money. And so um, a lot of what we do is being focused on being efficient, effective, and making sure people are served and served well so they have a good quality of life. Um, and a lot of that has become focused on on being able to to view and look at data and understand how people are being served, what they need, the outcomes we're getting for those services, and what those are costing us, and how we can continue to be more efficient. Yeah, I love that piece of you mentioned of efficiency, and and you're being efficient. To I understand that north of twenty seven thousand folks in a demographic region in Oakland County, Michigan. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what's what's the what's the budget for that? And that's probably um, a pretty large budget that you're managing, right? Yeah, it's about uh, right around three hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And that and when you review in, in those budget reviews, Anya, is that a, is that on a fiscal or is that on a calendar basis where you guys? Are- yeah, we're on a fiscal year starting October first. So I actually just presented to my board last night my fiscal year twenty one budget. Um, so. It's nice to not be in the hole. Um, so that's always a good thing as the finance person. So, uh, yeah, we're just getting ready to start our new fiscal year um, in another month and wrapping up the last one. Yeah. And that cycle, I know, takes a lot of preparation, staff preparation um, and thought piece to, to getting it right. And so what's the size of your staff? So our organization is about 200 people. Um my staff specifically, I have some other things under me besides finance. I have contracts and procurement as well as facilities because who better to give it to than the finance person? Um, so I have probably 25 staff underneath me, um, but we're, we're an organization of about 200, but we have a provider network of um, over 200 contracts um, to serve all of these people. So um, it's a pretty large network um, and a lot of uh, work to manage that network, especially you know during a pandemic. So... <laughs> Yeah. Keeps us busy. And those provider networks, are there metrics that you're managing for those that are in and out annually or how does that work? As far as the provider network goes? Right. Yeah. So we have over the last probably five years converted all of our contracts to outcomes-based contracts um, to really make sure that we weren't, we weren't focusing on volume, but we were focusing on value um, for the individuals we serve. And so what that has allowed us to do is really measure the performance of a provider based on specific metrics and, and hold them to specific bars related to the services they're providing to people. Um, and what we've seen is that's really the direction most of healthcare is going, is moving away from vo- volume-based services to value-based services, which really puts the the ownership on the provider to do a good job, not just to show up. And, and we've, we've seen incredible outcomes from doing that and continually are tweaking our expectations and our outcome measures to make sure that we're continually raising that bar and continually getting better and better services for, for individuals. Uh, that's, what's really, in Oakland Community Health Network, the, the mission being inspire hope, empower people, and strengthen communities. What a purposeful mission. And I, mm. I, getting into that, I, and you mentioned it earlier of being in purpose. I, so when you look at that empowering um, people and really it gets into the individuals you guys are, are servicing, talk us through a little bit of that population. And then we can get into next and I'll hand it over to Cherish is some of the COVID-19 effects on that behavioral mental health state. Yeah, so services for the populations we serve could be anything from 
just employment services in, let's say, helping someone um, learn some job skills and getting them competitively and helping them get competitively in, uh, employed within the community. It could be so much as a, a licensed group home type setting where an individual cannot live by themselves because of the level of supports they need. But really, our value is more surrounded about um, independent placements where an individual lives in their own home and this, the supports surround them. So we might have staff that go into their home to help them for the certain tasks and whatnot that they need. Um, they would typically have a case manager, receive therapies of different sorts. Um, so it's a full array of kind of, they're all considered medically necessary services in the behavioral health industry. and But they include things with, that are along the lines of social determinants of health. So it's really not just about therapy and not just about, let's say, um, med management. It's We go much further than that um, and saying, do you have stable housing? Are you connected with your community? Do you have friends and, and loved ones that you, you see often? And, and those types of things that are really speak to a person's quality of life, not just a, a what you would more look towards a more medical model of just providing a, a service for your physical health. Yeah. And, and, and their acts there being the, you know, that, that can, well, the, those that, in, that are in need of those services, I, how are they, is there a, is there disruption when they don't have the right technology to be able to communicate? Yeah, so that's really one of the things COVID taught us. So the behavioral health industry has been lagging behind from a technology perspective because there are so many rules and regulations related to how and when and what platform can be used for, let's say, telemedicine, which, you know, we from a physical health care have had access to for, I don't know, years at this point. Um, prior to COVID, the rule was for someone to receive a virtual appointment, it had to be office to office. So when you think of a virtual appointment, the benefit of that for me as an individual is that I can do it from home. I can do it from, from my job. I can do it from the car if I need to. And, and that's what the, what's great about it is the flexibility. But we weren't allowed to do that in the behavioral health industry because it had to have that office to office um, kind of point to point. It couldn't be um, as flexible. But with the onset of COVID, those regulations flipped overnight and we were allowed to provide services basically in any format we could just to make sure people got services and to keep people safe. And um, what we have found is not only um, data wise, we have seen um, in like the first three months of COVID, I would say probably if you went April to um, um, the end of May, we saw a more people in that time frame than we saw in the five months prior because of the convenience of telemedicine and, you know, Microsoft Teams and FaceTime and those types of things, because we didn't have those barriers of transportation and um, the, the time frames that it took for travel and things like that, and just the no-show rates that we tend to see in this industry. And we actually have found that it's people are into technology now and people are not as scared of it as, as, as it was once believed. And we have found that, yes, it's definitely an issue with access to technology. But one of the things we did because we received a grant from the state for COVID um, specifically was we brought, we bought tablets for, for uh, group homes oh, cool. so that we knew that people in those group homes could get their, they could see their case manager, they could get their therapies, they could 
you know, do a telemed visit with a doc, anything they needed and not have to actually leave and expose themselves to um, potentially, you know, uh, COVID or anything else. And, and what we're finding now is people are enjoying the flexibility and the freedom of doing that. So it's really opened our eyes more so than we even believed before, just that people will use the technology and they will get used to the technology if they have access to it. Um, the population we serve tends to be um, on lower income because they qualify for Medicaid, so they don't always have have money to buy that technology. But um, for us as the managed care organization, my goal is to get them services. So that's a, an upfront investment that we're talking about now paying for internet for people for a year, mm-hmm. just to make sure that they have that and an iPhone or a or an iPad or a tablet, some way for that for that two-way communication, regardless of whether there is COVID or there is not COVID, just because the flexibility and people really seem to be enjoying it. Oh, what a great, what a great layout. That is really purposeful. What a great discussion. What an ebb and flow. I know I, I look forward to getting some of our folks all together and getting some more specifics to you what we do at Cana and how we're building this healthcare market, more so on the on, at the state level uh, mm-hmm. in Virginia. Interesting, we've got some technology that we're building around an AWS chatbot that's for a, a patient care technician or with a um, ebb and flow of, of information that, that gets out to a, a patient on an EMR. Uh, but but it's, it's optimizing those, whether it's a survey, whether it's a set of information that, that needs a quick turn. And then you harvest that data and information into, like you guys, a data warehouse. So mm-hmm. it can be racked and stacked and prioritized in a way that uh, could be presented as a dashboard. Uh, but it's a great, it's a really fascinating tool. And yeah, we'll mm-hmm. we can talk to you more. Yeah, I think Cherish mentioned it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. For those out there, Anya, if you want to, is there a website or tools, links, et cetera? Yep. So our website is Oakland Community Health Network, and it's oaklandchn.org which has all of our information and resources related to the services we provide for the people of Oakland County. You know, again, keep up the great work. I, I tell you, I can't wait to see it soon, hopefully in person here. And, but that, that concludes uh, all my questions. Yeah, thank you. We really enjoyed having you on. Thanks very much for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's Cana Connection podcast where Rob Cranston spoke with Anya Eliason about managed mental health care in the Oakland Community Health Network. If you'd like to listen to part two, head on over to our website at canaadvisors.com. While you're there, consider signing up for our newsletter or maybe joining our community forums. Until next time, remember, analyze, assess, and execute.